Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. Hi everyone, my name is C, I use they them pronouns, and I play Oka Hien, Asamar blood hunter and monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Noct Shurzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, descriptions of heights, kidnapping, fire, and physical restraints. Arc 4, Episode 1. No Dreaming, No Blood, from Social Fabric, an edited version of the world by Sophie Robinson. The year is 406 AT, Tiger 11, the month of the chariot and the last five weeks of autumn. We open on the silent grove. A lush, colorful painting of bamboo stalks, rolling mountains, and the silvery Bian River spanning the entire width of the kingdom of Tulong. We soar across the spiny tops of trees, the winking rush of streams, and the hilly tracks of cultivated farmland that break up the wilderness. And now... Pausing at the southern edge of the grove, we push in through bristling branches of maidenhair trees, whose broad, fan-shaped leaves have turned gold in the depths of autumn. The sweet, pungent smell of earth and leaves swirls through the air. The early morning breeze rustles through the ginkgo, the branches part, and we see a camp. A handful of patchwork tents squat low against the leaf-strewn ground, their canvas tarps littered with fallen fronds and spherical seeds. A blackened pit in the middle of camp smolders with the remainder of fire, encircled by a ring of heavy stones. 
and then a noise cuts through the peaceful, morning, slumbering camp. The low, insistent of two very hungry cows and one extremely ravenous elk. These three animals have been leashed to a nearby tree, and they are now starving for their morning feed. But their caretaker, and the last person to take up watch, is nowhere to be found. Manaya, Dewey, and V. It's not quite eight o'clock in the morning, not, not yet, but you are pulled out of your shared dream of nightmarish prophecy early, by the insistent braying of your animals. And as each of you gasp awake in your tents, why don't you tell me what you look like and what you do as we move into arc four? Let's start with V. Oka, take care of your animals. And there's V Nakshirzo, very grumpily, stirring from her sleep. Uh, she's wearing, her hair's a bit messy from sleep. It's this white mane of hair that's got streaks of purple and green in it. Her eyes, one purple and the other green, Kelly green, uh, struggling to meet the light of the new morning. Um, she's an elf. She's wearing a green uh, sort of, uh, it looks almost scaly shirt with a sort of a purple uh, wrap around her waist and some... Um, some, you know, wearing long pants, and she's taken off to sleep. She's not wearing it, but she's slowly, like, it's right next to her, some some armor, which is some shoulder pads that have almost, almost like dragon, little dragon teeth coming out of it. And uh, at the centerpiece of the chest armor is a Kelly Green diamond that is the source of all of her power. And, um, yeah, she is, she's slowly... Really angrily, grumpily, just crawling back up and just being like she doesn't understand why these animals are making sounds and where is the person who's supposed to take care of them. Uh, the gray-skinned drow next to you also wakes up uh, as Rev sort of disentangles herself from you. She and as she like pushes herself up, like like a single tricep push, right? Like to like get herself upright. Uh, like she like brushes some like tangled like black and now streaked with white like long hair out of her face, pushing it back up, you know, to reveal like a very like chiseled face uh, with like one golden eye and one black eye that are sort of like blinking sleep and nightmare uh, out of her gaze. And she like scrubs at her eye, turns to you and says in sort of like a sleep horse voice, oh, I'm going to kill that little Osimar. Where are they? Uh, Oka, it's your job to feed the cows. You wanted them. You take care of them. Let's just go back to sleep. Rev is like trying to drag you back down. What do you uh, do? V does not resist too much to cuddling back in and being wrapped up and, and wrapping around Rev. Lovely. Uh, as the two lovebirds sort of get pulled back into the uh, into their tent, into the privacy of their tent, we're gonna pan over to a different tent, right, set across like the other side of this fire pit, uh, where we we push through the flaps and we see Manaya. So Manaya, why don't you describe to us what you look like and what you're doing as these animals wake you up? Manaya jolts awake, and she, being woken up from the dream early, she sits up really quickly. It's a little lightheaded. And after, like, 
20 seconds, she pulls herself together and starts doing sort of her morning routine. She takes out a, uh, a flask and she starts combing out and applying product to the uh, puff at the back of her head, making sure not to miss the cornrows that uh, line the front of her head and working her way down to the to the four Fulani braids, which are reverse cornrows that come forward and down, uh, two on either side, adorned with a couple of rings, mostly beads, as well as cowrie shells at the end. When that's done, she pats herself down, down her armor, which she's had for a while, black and gold sort of molded to her figure, and pulls on her long brown pants and sort of modest black shoes. She rummages through her pack and picks out a jade pendant and carefully affixes it to her ear as if she's done it every day for the past month or so. It's a jade pendant in the shape of a manaya, which is a part human, part bird, part fish creature that is said to be the messenger of the dead. And with all of that done, she rubs her eyes and starts getting up out of the tent, calling for Oka once or twice, but hearing no response, figures that they're probably still out in their morning watch and makes her way over to the cows and elk, which is weird that they would leave without their elk, and starts tending to them. Okay. Uh, Manaya, as you push your way out of the tent flaps and make your way over to where the very irate animals are lashed, we are going to travel to the final, uh, second to last tent uh, that there is in this circle, Dewey's. So Dewey's, as, as we push in through the flaps and we alight upon your feathered face, why don't you tell us what you look like and what you're doing? Dewey is... Wearing a sort of like pajama romper and his feathers are everywhere. He does not sleep pretty, um, but he like rolls out of bed. He pulls sleepily pulls on like a very unassuming linen shirt and he leaves behind his bird torso shaped armor with all his tools and his uh, overalls that are kind of thrown into a corner of the tent. He's like wiping off his glasses as he pushes out of the tent and kind of sleepily heads over to the tree where he last saw Oka. And then once he gets to the tree, he kind of like shakes it and then noticing that only like a couple of leaves flutter down and not and there's no like annoyed oka noises coming down from the tree. He looks up and he like puts his glasses on, looks back up and oka is not there. Yeah, Dewey and Manaya, as the two of you approach that same tree, why don't the two of you roll me an investigation check? 20. 15. Okay, uh, Manaya, you look around as well as you, Dewey. And both of you see unmistakable signs of a struggle. Uh, sort of in the ground by the little stump where Oka had taken up watch. Um, it's, which is sort of like next to their tent. Their tent is still here, but they're not in it. Um, you see sort of like drag marks, like heels being dragged through the leaves. Uh, you don't see any blood, but you do see signs of like disturbed leaves. Uh, and, you know... El their elk is still here, so they didn't. It was wasn't like they took their elk and like left and ditched the party, right? It, it looks like they were taken, uh, and the direction of the dragging sort of like uh, is moving in the same direction that you're traveling in, uh, sort of like farther south toward Dokao, the capital of Tulong, which is where the five of you were headed uh, until until Tiger Eleven this very day. What did the two of you do with this information? 
Dewey immediately starts like going tent to tent, like pulling it open, closing it when it was not there, going to Manaya's tent, opening it up, not there, going to V and Rev's tent, opening it, closing what it. What are you whoa, doing? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 hey. Whoa, whoa. whoa. What's going on? Oka's not in here with you, right? No, that's not, we're not. <laughs> what are you, what are, sorry V. And I think we're going to like, as Dewey's like going from tent to tent, we're going to like linger on V and, and Rev's tent as V, uh, as Rev sort of like scratches the back of her neck. She turns to you. What's this about? I guess we should wake up, huh? Uh, yes. And some bird doesn't know what privacy means. <laughs> and V starts to like roll over and like she was starting to uh, beforehand grabbing her armor pieces and and slowly working up stretching out her body and cracking some joints yeah rev also like pulls on like her like sleeveless leather armor that's got like the bird mail right the feather mail going like all like in like a cape going like down her back uh and she like 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 swipes her hand in front of her face and like just clears up all the gunk with some magic just sort of like freshens up uh and she's also gonna like she's gonna poke her head out of the tent and like step out into the scene of like like contained chaos right as dewey's very anxious manaya what are you doing as dewey's looking from tent to tent manaya looks at glances at dewey checking the tents and decides to look outside she scans the perimeter and sort of keeps making circles going farther and farther using her trained sailor eyes to look far. <laughs> Very eloquently put, Lyra. Uh, as Manaya uses her trained sailor eye to look far, <laughs> she like s- scans the trunks and you see like the track marks kind of end. Uh, like it looked like there was one person dragging another person and then it, the, the track marks just turn into like one set of feet. Right, so whoever took Oka probably knocked them out or incapacitated them somehow and like slung them onto their body or like put Oka in a bag of holding or something and like made off. But it looks like it was just one person. Like you don't see any hoof marks or anything like that. Is there blood at all? No blood. Not a single drop. Which is both good and bad. Good because great, Oka's probably not hurt. Bad because that means Oka wasn't able to use their blood magic to respond and fight back. Uh, at this point, uh, V, you also come out into the camp. What are you doing as, I think you can like ascertain what's happening. Maybe like Dewey muttering and like Manaya like talking about it. What do you do? Uh, did our little uh, blood warrior get the, are they, are they lost? Did they, did they wander off or what, what's happening here, friends? Did, did something bad happen? V still a little, a little, <laughs> wiping the sleepies out of her eyes. What's tell tell your friend V what's going on here? They're a blood hunter. They were taken. Signs of a struggle, no blood. Luckily going in the same direction we're going. Well, I guess we should uh break this camp down quickly and go after them. Agreed. Oh, this isn't good. I I thought I cast alarm last night. I I should have been woken up if any intruders came in. Whoever took them must know magic. They must be they must be some sort of spellcaster. Was your alarm dispelled? No, it's still active. Uh, and Rev brings, like, a hand up and, like, makes a, mo- a motion with it. And I think, like, a circle of, like, raven feathers that she'd laid, like, around the camp, like, pff, float up. And then they turn gold and disappear, right? In, like, the early morning mist. Um, yes, agreed. We should pack up. We should follow that trail wherever it leads and get a move on before anything else finds us. 
We'll have breakfast on the road. We have to move. Okay, make a group survival check to see how fast you can pack up. 18. Okay, 18, 18 from Dewey. 19. I have inspiration, right? I'm going to use my inspiration. Okay, you're going to use your personal inspiration. Sounds good. 19 from V. 9. 9 from an I. That is one failure and two successes. So that means you pack up pretty quickly, I think. Uh, And Rev is also going to help. And she gets a success as well. Uh, So all of you like scrambling around the camp, you're like tearing down the tent. Rev helps tear down Oka's tent uh, because Oka isn't here to do it like themselves. I'm assuming you, Manaya, as like the second in command of the animals are like taking care of the animals, giving them feed, like putting their tack on, etc. I think her first thing is to go back to the tent, a gesture with her hand and bring her leaf cape just in one swift motion around her neck. And then tend to the animals. Okay. Does the leaf cape, cape like fly out like uh, Doctor Strange's cape? I would say is, like, so. Kind of sentient. It's not. It's not sentient. <laughs> okay, it's not sentient. Cute. But Manaya like pulls it with a little bit of the weave. Yeah, you summon your cape toward you. It flutters through the air, uh, disguised among the other falling autumnal leaves all around you, and it swirls around your form, bringing with it like the smell of of damp earth as well as just a touch of nali scent uh, as it swirls around your shoulders. Yeah, and alongside that, I completely forgot the uh, hairband of leaves that ties itself neatly around her bun. Very nice. Yeah, that also, like with magic, secures itself around your hair. Uh, Dewey, how are you packing up in the midst of all of this? Dewey had Manaya like pull up all the stakes because he probably couldn't get them out of the ground himself. Uh, and he's just like rolling tents into bags, tossing him into the, the car- caravan wagon as keeper of the cargo. Okay, Mr. Cargo Keeper, you're like, hua, hua, hua. And like, maybe like your little like bird feathers are like running a little damp with sweat and like your glasses are fogging up a little from the exertion and uh, like a little bit of like mild panic, I would assume, coming from Dewey as the cargo dad. And now we're going to pan over to V. V, how are you packing up? V is like, you know, putting things into uh, rolling them up and then using Mage Hand to bring like items, you know, the, the tent and uh, any type of other personal items over to the to the caravan. Okay. Sounds good. You're just using your magic and mage hand, helping facilitate things. And it's good that it was so fast. Uh, Sorry, see, go ahead. I was going to say that Oka's tent is fucking disgusting, and I'm sorry about it. There's like vials of blood and like bones and like paper. It looks like they tore several books literally apart and they just were like halfway sleeping on them. Like they were reading and they fell. And it's just like, and there's also like Shuhai Miao's uh, journal is in there, you know, but there's like, there's just, and like cigarette boxes and like a pile of ash. And it's disgusting. It's horrible in there. Yeah, it's nasty. It smells like blood and cigarettes and bad decisions. Uh, <laughs> and you roll up Oka's tent and you throw it into the back of the wagon where maybe like Dewey's there organizing things and Dewey just gets stunk up by Oka's, like Oka's tent just like in the back of this wagon. Um, and it's, it's good that y'all made more successes than failures in packing up because you're, you're just about putting like the final bow right on the present of wrapping up your, your camp when all four of you, including Rev, here, kind of muffled against the golden leaves of maidenhair trees and like the, the distance, but getting closer. There they are! Uh, and it's the voice of the captain uh, of a group of Tulongan guards that the five of you had shaken off your scent last night, but it, it appears they've, they've picked it back up. 
Uh, and you can sort of hear getting closer and closer the pounding of hooves against the ground, no fewer than maybe five or six uh, members of like the elite Tilongan guard getting closer and closer to your campsite. What do the three of you do? Manaya hasn't quite hitched the elk to the to the caravan, and so she yells to Dewey, get me a rope by the elk. We need to go. Dewey fucking yeets rope at Manaya as hard as he can. You hitch the elk to the wagon. Manaya, you, are you driving the wagon? Or are you sitting at the front with the cows? Okay, uh, Dewey? Dewey heaves the last of the, whatever our belongings are into the back and he's like, ah, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. Okay, V? V is going to uh, panic and just throw a wall of fire between them and where the sound of hooves are coming from. Okay, uh, and Rev also lets out a, yeah, come on! Uh, and with that, like, the, the cows let out a, and they start, like, they're not built for speed, okay? These cows are pack mules, right? They're built for, like, slow and steady progress across any sort of terrain, and they're strong. They're, like, endurance animals. They are not, like, racehorses. So you're driving them, like, against their nature, and they're, like, like trampling over the ashes of, like, the kicked-out campfire that you erected last night, and they begin, like, just booking it through these like copses of like maiden hair and ginkgo trees, right? Um, and Rev, maybe, uh, sorry, V, you're like hanging out the back. You poof, you fling out your hand. Describe to me what wall of fire looks like. Yeah, so uh, V's gonna like, uh, there's gonna be like a little spark from her diamond. She's gonna like grab it and just fling it down at the ground a few feet and then just, just poof, green flame in either direction, like uh, 60 feet in either direction and 20 feet high and just this bright green flames a burning. Okay. Uh, this emerald fire like licks up uh, into the air and like several leaves nearby, I think, catch fire. Are you trying to contain this fire or are you okay with potentially starting like a forest fire here? You know what? If they didn't want a forest fire, they shouldn't have been chasing us. Okay. <laughs> Gosh, into the wind. Okay. I won't even make you roll an arcana check to handle your magic then. You will cause a forest fire in this part of the forest <laughs> is what I've decided. Yeah. Yeah. And like the flames immediately start licking because it's autumn, it's dry now. So like it, it goes up like a chimney. Uh, it begins spreading in either direction, like the green flames just licking from north to south, from east to west. And you hear like the terrified whinny of horses of the royal guards like behind you uh, as they encounter this wall of fire. But you're off clear. You've bought yourself a lot of time, especially by not controlling those flames. Uh, so what's the plan here? Are you trying to follow the tracks? of where Oka was led, or are you just like booking it like like in a straight line toward Dokao like you were planning to? I'm going to try to discern the vague direction that they're going and then just go in that direction. Okay. I don't want to like keep looking at the tracks that would slow us down, but just like, okay, where are they vaguely going? That direction. Okay, make a perception check. Eight. Okay, with an eight, you are unable to find like a, a good way to follow where Oko was taken because just a couple of moments later, you see that the track sort of veer off uh, toward toward the, the the east in like a really like sudden way. Uh, and it just so happens that toward the east are like a series of like almost like cliff like like uh, uh, drops that like feed downward. So it would be impossible to like bring the cows down there without like literally totaling your wagon and like really hurting the cows and the elk. Unless you like found like switchbacks to get down there, but there's there's no time, there's no time. The forest is on fire and, and you know, the, the fuzz is on you. Uh, so 
what do you do with this information, Manaya? Manaya's going to make a quick mental note that that's kind of the direction they were taken in and just keep barreling forward. Sounds good. Uh, and with that, I think like with the cows charging forward, like with Manaya driving, like, yeah, like driving the mounts to the front, like Rev also leaning out front and helping to like speed the mounts along with Dewey in the back getting like thrown ping ponged, like all over in the back of the wagon, like, ah, like maybe try to like keep the suitcases locked down. And with V like leading out the back of the wagon, like your eyes al- alight with like the, f- the fire that it's like re- reflected with the fire that's burning maybe like 50 feet away from you. We're going to do a hard cut. To Oka. Oka, you are awoken, not by light, not by smell or sound, but by movement. A pitching, rolling, rhythmic movement, almost like a ship uh, on, on waves. Your neck, the first thing you notice, your neck aches. Your rib cage feels tight, constrained, almost like your lungs are being pushed up against the bottom of your throat or something. Your shoulders are also, ugh, they're so stiff, especially around the joints. And there's something really taut and prickly around your wrists, which are behind your back. Your jaw also feels stiff. And your mouth, ugh, as you're coming to awareness of your lips and your tongue, your mouth is really dry and, and it's chapped. As you're coming into this fuller awareness of your body, this undulating, pitching, rolling movement persists. Honestly, it's almost kind of calming, right? Like being rocked to sleep on a hammock, but instead of lying down or being prone, you're sitting upright. Uh, Your back is pressed against some sort of hard surface, and light is filtering in from somewhere. And as your eyes sort of woozily blink and flutter open, you see that you are on the inside of a palanquin. Uh, A palanquin, if you don't know, is a covered litter for a single passenger, uh, usually consisting of like a large box uh, with two horizontal poles sticking out from it in either direction. And typically uh, a palanquin is carried by four to eight workers on foot. Uh, It's a form of like non-wheeled transport that's very ubiquitous throughout too long. You'd be very familiar with it. Um, Though palanquins are usually reserved for the upper class, nobility, royalty, while like regular folk are more commonly bored along rickshaws and pedicabs. Okay, as you as you come to, what do you do? I think at first, you know, like when you're waking up uh, and you can almost like distend yourself in this moment of forgetting where you are. I think Oka is there and this like almost familiar rocking of the palimpsest where like a uh, palanquin, excuse me, right, not a palimpsest, a palanquin, excuse me, uh, is so familiar that they're like are almost like they've fallen asleep asleep on on a journey with their mother and then it's like seven and a half years of shit just like kind of crashes down and then they blink and they're like hold on i was where are the cows and they go Yep, because your mouth is gagged. Uh, you can't talk out loud. Uh, there's a, a, some sort of thing stuffed stuffed against your teeth. Uh, and I think the dream that you're sort of like woozily, pa- almost painfully waking up from uh, is, is 
uh, of your mother. The last thing you remember before the dream starts to slip away from you is your mother saying, Oh, oh, my sweet Oka, it's time for you to wake up. But I'll see you soon, won't I? Mom, ma, mom, <laughs> and they just start uh, eyes a lot more wide, like the double pupils now, like, uh, and I guess I'll describe them too in this fucked up situation, uh, start like flicking like back and forth, like a around looking, looking uh, these two pupils in these like double blued eyes. Uh, their hair is cut short again. Uh, it seems like they like it's like ragged and chopped. Like they literally just took the edge of their blade and just did that with it. Um, and they're wearing pretty much the same armor as they have for their journey here. This like uh, high necked uh, Max is doing a pretty good cause cause cosplay right now. High necked uh, black uh, sleeveless shirt, uh, but the uh, orange sash that they normally wear around their waist seems to have been dyed or turned blue uh, and is was at least slung over their shoulder uh, and attached with some bits of chain. Yes, exactly. Max, correct. Um, <laughs> and again, these like twin scars, like bisecting their mouth and just littered with scars, a huge inky black tattoo um, that will ha it will begin to glow, I think, with a uh, fire like it's it's like heating up against their skin um as i'm gonna try to burn some of these ropes off pretty immediately yeah your wrists and your ankles are bound your wrists are bound behind your back and your ankles are sort of bound just in front of you but so you're in like a sitting position uh so how are, what kind of magic are you using i am using my uh culling edge and enacting my right of flame on it so i will take some damage from this um but Technically, that does light my weapon, which is my arm, on fire, or at least the tattoo on my arm, which I think is bound behind me. So it'll ideally just burn right through. Okay, so roll to take damage first. Well, that's not bad. Those three. Okay, uh, so describe to me what it looks like. Uh, Oka, like, thrashes around uh, kind of loudly. Is there anything else about this thing that I see? Yes, the palanquin you're sitting in has wooden walls uh, of painted blue around you, uh, shot through with various silvered ornamentations. And you notice that wood lattice windows perforate either side, uh, with an errant breeze even blowing in through the gaps, uh, ruffling through your short, shortly shorn black hair. Light is also filtering in through these thin, sheer, very flammable uh, curtains made of ruffled chiffon. And you can sort of peer through like the gaps in the lattice work to make out a forest dappled with golden leaves. The silent grove where you were taken. Uh, where you last remember being. And in the near distance, you can hear birds, crickets, rustling branches, but much, much closer to you, you hear footsteps uh, crunching over fallen leaves to the bobbing rhythm of the palanquin. You're being carried through the silent grove by someone. You don't see them because they're directly in front of you and behind you. And there are no windows in, in front of you or behind you. It's at least several people, uh, at least four, maybe up to eight. Right. You also hear one set of hooves uh, and the nickering of a single horse coming from somewhere directly in front of the palanquin. So you can't see whoever's riding a different animal in front of you either. So with that information, what does it look like as you activate Culling Edge? 
Okay, Oka, uh, I think, like, they just, like, tip themselves in their semi-panic, uh, and they just thud over onto the ground for a second, and they wiggle there like a trapped animal, uh, and their eyes are kind of going wild, and they're like, okay, 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 what's the last thing I remember? As you, the palanquin is really small. There's no room for you to fall onto the ground. So as you tip forward, your head hits the front of the palanquin and you feel like a mm, rocking motion and, uh, but no noise from any of the people carrying you. Uh, as like whoever's carrying the palanquin like readjusts like their weight to sort of like accommodate you starting to thrash around <laughs> inside your box. Um, and to remember stuff, your memory is a foggy haze and the back of your head is throbbing. So I need you to roll just a, a straight intelligence history check. <laughs> uh, well, it was a two, but let's add my modifiers <laughs> here. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A nine, but I feel like that's actually par for the course, a nine. You remember looking into the campfire Right, as like for the final watch, just like watching the flames dance, uh, and then the smell of hawthorn, and then nothing at all like, literally nothing. Okay, 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 I got this, we got this. Uh, Oka's head smacks the wall, they feel that adjustment, and then their heartbeat starts to slow down a little bit as they just a tiny little nosebleed starts to trickle, uh, and their arm uh, heats up. Uh, and ideally, like, burns away the ropes uh, that are keeping them tied. Uh, and very quickly after that, they'll untie their legs and ungag themselves. And they, like, spit kind of loudly. And there's a moment where they pause and are, like, centering themselves for some bullshit. I would like to use my, uh, one of my newest blood curses, which is Blood Curse of the Ink. Just technically, we're kind of... I want to flavor it a little bit funny. I want to see how many heartbeats are out there. I want exact numbers. I want to find, like, uh, extend my senses and track how many heartbeats are around me. What does this look like? The, like, the blood, I think, that uh, had been coming from their nose, like, just kind of drips all the way down, and Oka feels their own heart beating like a jackrabbit like and they focus on that and then I think it's almost like everything else tunes out and then heartbeats start tuning in once they can focus on just theirs then it starts to like populate where they can like hear like birds trilling in the trees and like as they go past like the heartbeat of this like animal you know etc and however many other people are out there and they focus on that you sense two heartbeats. Uh, the heartbeat of a horse, uh, maybe th 30 feet in front, uh, and the heartbeat of its rider. You do not sense any heartbeats from the people carrying the palanquin. That's distressing. Is there a clear way out of the palanquin, a door? Yes, there's a door to your left. Tuck and roll, baby! Oka fucking, uh, they fucking... They tuck and roll. They kick it open, or they try to kick it open at least, uh, and they just barrel out headfirst. Okay, make a make a strength check. Oh my god, I'm rolling for shit. I have an inspiration though. All right, I'll use it. Wow. Okay. Uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. Okay, I'll give you a hard choice. It's either gonna take you a really long time, or you're gonna take some damage on your way out. I'm gonna take some damage on my way out. 
Okay, you smash open that motherfucker. You kick open that door, you smash it to splinters, uh, but you hurt your leg a little bit on your way out. And I think like several, some of the wood exploding like like digs into your leg. So you're just gonna take- I also had to roll for my blood curse. So I've taken nine damage so far. Okay, you're gonna take another four points of piercing damage from like the wood just like digging into you. You roll out, uh, what do you do as you just, as you- <laughs> fly out of the side of this palanquin, uh, and you see like the ground maybe f eight feet oh, off the ground because the palanquin is hoisted up pretty dang high. Uh, so I think you're falling through the air at this point. What do you do? Ooh, this is the opportunity where I get to use my Radiant Soul, eh? Uh, yeah, Oka flies out. They're like bleeding, obviously, because they're a little, a little, a little shit. Um, they burst out and these huge wings just come tearing out of their back. They were once magically see-through and made completely of magic, but now they're made of grizzle and bone and feather, uh, as they just are so tangible and just rip out of their back. Uh, and they take like three. Why are you taking out your dice? No, keep describing. What's going on? I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, they, they, they use their radiant soul, I hope. They try to fly away? Uh, just take three big beats away from the cart. Okay, as you do, you notice several things. I'm assuming you're turning around to look at the procession, or do you not care? Yes, and... Okay, uh, so as you beat your wings, you sort of twist in midair to turn around, and you see, like, a beautiful palanquin right? Like a royal palanquin. Like it's like, it's the colors of too long blue and silver and it's decorated with like flying cranes like on the side and like these like gold ornamentations. Like it almost looks like a, um, like a bridal carriage. Um, but it's specifically not like a marriage or wedding one. It's just like something that like fancy ladies would like travel in. Like your mom would ride around in a palanquin, like the queen, the first wife would, you know what I mean? Um, so that's the first thing you notice. It's odd that it's sort of in the middle of the woods away from Dokao, presumably. The second thing you notice are the four people carrying it. Um, they, they look like people. Uh, they're, they're of varying heights and widths and girths, and they're all wearing the same uniform. Uh, which is the official uniform of like a royal servant of uh, the slumbering palace. And they all have these like broad straw rimmed hats sort of pulled low over their faces. Uh, and as soon as you burst out of the door, they stop moving as a single unit. Uh, like they're like completely like in sync with each other and they, they stop, right? And they don't have a lot of exposed skin because like the robes like go all the way down uh, to, their, to their wrists and they're wearing gloves and these like uh, covered toe shoes. But of what you can see of their neck and their, their skin, all of their skin looks a little uh, pallid, a little, a little pallor, a little pasty. Uh, based on what you can see, even the ones that are dark, uh, dark, dark skinned. Uh, the last thing you notice is the horse. Uh, there's a black horse, maybe 30 feet away in the front, that's sort of leading the procession, like a pure obsidian stallion. Uh, and riding this horse bareback uh, is a person. Uh, a person wearing this hooded leather cloak with these studded fan braces whose face is not visible because their back is to you because you just burst it out of, the, out of this palanquin. Um, but as you like fly into the air, this person like turns uh, very quickly, like reacting like that, like twists their torso and you see a mask 
Uh, they are wearing a fierce golden mask with black and red accents around the eyes and a painted mouth. Very similar to like a Chinese opera mask, like Beijing opera mask. Um, and like sort of you see, you can see like a few strands peeking out from under the hood and above the mask of like short white hair. Uh, and their build, you're noticing, is like kind of angular and almost slender, right? Uh, and as they turn to look at you, uh, they do something like simultaneously as you're flying through the air. And I rolled for it and they hit. Uh, so they, you didn't see them draw, but as they fling their hand in your direction, a dagger uh, with like a black blade, like flies through the air and uh, hits you square between the shoulders. Uh, and it doesn't hurt as the dagger sinks between your shoulder blades. Uh, but then you see like a, a bead of like black light, a string of black light from the hilt of the dagger and connects to their hand and they pull you down. So I need you to make a strength contest. 18. Okay, uh, that is not sufficient. So they are gonna just like reel you in like you're a kite. Kind of. I am the bitchiest fucking kite in the whole world. I'm shrieking like a banshee. I'm like, murder! V! Uh, Yelling as loud as I can and like flap, 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 flap. Uh, But I think as Oka realizes they are not going to get away from whatever this horrible little rope trick is, they swivel in air and they are going to go at the person instead. Manaya, Dewey, and V. The three of you ride haphazardly on this wagon being drawn by two extremely panicked, but beautiful desert cows, but panicked desert cows as their hooves tromp over the fallen golden leaves of the um, southwestern portion of the silent grove, tossing their huge, massively horned heads from side to side, their nostrils flaring with exertion, their beautiful pearly white uh, hides glistening with foam and sweat as they mush uh, their way through this autumnal, autumnal silent grove. Uh, Rev is sort of like leaned out front, helping Manaya steer the cows and keeping a, an eye on the elk that's leashed to the side uh, of, of this wagon and also like galloping along, uh, tossing its massive antler side to side uh, as leaves filter down from the canopy above uh, and light streams past you, the sunless sky getting brighter and brighter as we move from early morning into noon, noon proper. You can still smell uh, the scent of V's decision uh, trailing on the breeze because there's sort of like an updraft right behind you. Burning leaves, emerald fire, sparks of magic uh, simmering on the threads of the weave that like encircle this wagon as you push along it uh, like a like a salmon caught in a net, like pulling, pulling the net along. Uh, So as all of you rush through this grove, I think it's Rev, whose like hair sort of like rippling in the wind like a black flag, turns to you, Manaya, and Dewey and V and just says, "Ah, this doesn't make any sense. First, I hope Oka's okay, but why would the guard be on our tail if, if they have Oka? I'm assuming it's the guard that took them, right? For the bounty? Was there any kind of evidence? I mean, we, who knows what could have happened? There's so much we don't know and we had to leave so fast that all we know is it still seems like they headed in this direction. Is that uh, what we know, can discern? I don't know. I was so busy leashing the uh, the cows and the elk. Manaya, what did you see? 
the the path turned a while back, but it led to some cliffs. We couldn't. What? We have to go back. We can't just leave, Oka. What if they're getting? What if they're getting killed or hurt? We'll go back for them. For now, we need to get away from these gods. V, do you have another firewall? I mean, uh, V, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't want to burn the silent grove down and cause even more of a ruckus. Then they won't just be after Oka. Whoever took them might be after us too. Our faces are already well known. They're going to be after us anyway. What makes you say that? I mean, I could give us a disguise. We could we could disguise ourselves. That's not a bad idea, V, but I don't feel good just leaving Oka back there. They're one of us. They're a paragon. We can't we can't lose them. I know. But if we lead these gods to them, they'll be in even more trouble. Well, can we cause a di- diversion? That I don't hear them or see them. There's too much smoke. The fire must have must have left them in our dust. Then that's our chance to hide. V looked back towards the for- force, and there's still quite a bit of green fire coming up from the tree line. So, you know, friends, I, I if we're going to do something, I think we need to come up with a plan of like. Do we disguise ourselves? Do we... They've probably seen what we're traveling in, so... Do we ditch the caravan? What do you think we should do? No, this has all of our supplies in it. It has everything. We can't... We can't just leave the cows or, or, or the elk. What if we... What if we laid low for a minute, found somewhere safe, and then went back into the woods and tried to track... Track Oka? Where would we find that's big enough to, to hide the whole carriage? Uh, at this, the wagon... Poof, breaks out of the tree line uh, and starts running across like the trees get like a thinner and thinner I think at this point like no longer so dense and like cobbled together uh, like uh, two seedy people in a, in a bar conspiring over a pint of beer like heads knocking together like these trees these trees sort of thin out uh, become more widespread and you sort of see that you're at the top of like this hilly ridge that like poof, sort of dips down into almost like a like a, a gentle valley of sorts. But this valley is dotted by other hills, just sort of like like with these massive, almost like a paro uh, like parabolas is what they look like. They like go up like really steeply and then down. And you sort of see like the edges of these hills, the sides of them uh, are cultivated. Uh, these are are tea hills, uh, as well as like like rice gardens, right? And you can sort of see like little like uh, tiny little specks of like Lego size, right, from this distance. Uh, homes like built on the sides of these of these cliffs, uh, and also at the base of like various hills uh, with like rivers and streams cutting through like the bottom. You see other little clusters of villages, and the cl- there's one that's like pretty close by that's maybe only like a 500 foot like 500 feet away from you and this uh the end of the um silent grove also opens into like a series of switchbacks uh, that leads to the bottom of this hill right so now a path has formed uh you're no longer in like the wilderness of the silent grove maybe somewhere down there we can drive the 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 mounts we can we can take our cart down these switchbacks we've probably lost the royal guards for at least a little bit v has bought us a lot of time Take the reins. I'll make another diversion, just in case. We can never be too careful. Okay. And Rev seizes the other set of reins from you. Manaya takes her axe, hooks it to the top of the carriage, swings all the way to the back, and then stands there. And I'm going to try to cast Thunderwave, but like centered on, centered in front of me, to like into the ground to make a cloud of dust. Why don't you roll a sleight of hand with it, just to see, like, how much dust you can create with this diversion. Nice. I'll give you a point of inspiration for that, so you're awful up. 
I will use a point of inspiration. That was a two. That's better at a 12. Okay, a 12. I think this has bought you like 12 more minutes uh, as you poof. tell me what it looks like. Manaya puts her axe down and bends down to the very edge of the cart and sort of lets her hand glide along the ground. And all at once, there's glowing green and orange from her eyes and down her arm. And there's a sort of as the spell starts, but the spell actually goes off once we've you know gotten a few feet away and it goes into a big cloud of smoke or a big cloud of dust. Nice. You kick up like a dust wall, right? Like just to obscure your tracks. And it sort of like hangs there magically, right? Like thickening like around the bases of trees that you're like blazing past, like a like a uh, like an unusual, unnatural fog rising up. Uh, and the force of your magic sweeping through uh, the woods causes like a flock of birds to like a, a light from like the upper branches of a canopy and like take off uh, into the air. And uh, several of these birds are ravens actually. And as the birds like fly off into the air and like toward like this uh, series of homesteads and villages, uh, Rev pauses while like driving, I think she's like driving the cart toward the switchbacks like, like she said she would. She says, eight ravens, it's an omen. We should follow it. Right. Manaya takes her axe, flips herself back over the carriage to the front, and says, You keep an eye on them. I'll take the reins. Okay. Uh, there. Uh, keep going down the switchbacks uh, toward, toward that house over there in the south. Uh, and she's, like, giving you directions as you're, like, taking control of, like, of the mounts. While this has been happening, Dewey and V, what are the two of you doing? While Manaya was doing her thing, V is still kind of, like, there near the back of the caravan watching and enjoying watching some... Good old-fashioned magical stuff happened. Uh, but then I think when Rev says the thing about that there's an omen, I think V will make her way near to the front. And uh, I think just be in agreement that if Rev, if Rev thinks this is the way we go, this is, should be the way we go. Okay. Uh, you side up behind your girlfriend and, like, sort of peek your elven face, like, next to hers. You see, like, her, her, her brow, her, like, dark brow is, like, furled in concentration as she's, like, following, like, these, like, ravens, like, flying down toward these, like, oscillating peaks in the distance. Dewey, what are you doing? Dewey's sort of hanging his head out the side, kind of looking around the side of the caravan to the front. It's like, so we're just going to follow a bunch of birds that flew up because Manaya made some... Who's birds? We don't know whose birds those are. They're not birds, they're ravens. And we have the Raven Queen. I think we can trust <laughs> her. It's a sign from the Raven Queen. I when I trained as a as a priestess back in the court before before that was my old life. A part of my training included reading signs from the natural world, the way blood is spilt on the ground, entrails, knuckle bones, birds, the weather. Eight ravens, safe haven. Alright, but if we get some, if we're getting involved with some random civilian, this is on you. No, Dewey. This will be on us. We're paragons now. There's no I in this. And hey, Dewey, if you want to go talk to him, I'm sure you'd be the best one out of us to communicate. The birds? I don't speak raven speech. Rev says something in raven speech, but you're pretty sure it's an insult uh, as she like sort of clucks it out. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, leads, like, I think, like, the breeze is, like, hitting all of you as, like, Rev is driving these horses and this poor elk, like, running behind. Because the path of the squishbacks is not that wide. Uh, like, 
carefully guides like the the oxen and the elk like around like these like really like sharp like pin what's it called like pinwheel turns um safety pin turns hairpin turns what was that pippin hairpin thank you safety <laughs> pin turns. i would not like to hear i would not like to see a pinwheel turn i like personally. seeing pinwheels yeah you just you you cartwheel <laughs> Cartwheel down the cliffside. That's how I get my TPK. Um, Rev like pulls like the horse, the not the horses, the two oxen uh, and the elk like around these hairpin turns, and like eventually with like the dust uh, and the breeze and like the fresh open air like blowing against your faces with such like speed that it's making I think making all of your eyes water just a little bit. Uh, you finally reach like the base of this like cliff that you came down from, uh, with like the the edge of the silent grove sort of bristling on that ridge. You can sort of see the tops of these maidenhair trees like glowing with a slight golden glow from all the autumnal leaves still still fluttering down past you and now Rev nods and jerks her chin uh, toward the direction of a particular hamlet that's that's where I saw the ravens last they they're gone now I, I lost track of them I think it's over there let's hope whoever lives there is friendly Rev leads leads the cows and the elk uh, down like a more gentle slope uh, that has like this like like path, like uh, etched out uh, along the grass through just like decades and decades of like carts traveling over it as opposed to like any particular like um, paved measurement from Dokao, right? It's just like, this is a path that a lot of farmers, it appears, travels. It takes this like cart down this path, like, yeah, like like pulls on the reins and like slows down the cows a little bit so they can catch, you know, catch a freaking break. And the cows are like panting really hard and like throwing their horns from side to side. Like their tongues are lolling out a little bit and they're just like panting and gasping really hard. And the elk like slows down to like a canter uh, next to you as well. And it's sort of looking around nervously. It's like big ears, like swiveling in either direction. As you begin to encounter people, uh, other people walking along this path, you sort of see them at first uh, in the distance, right? Other paths converging upon this hamlet built uh, at the base of like one of these massive, like all, like mountains, basically massive hills with like those like huge peaks. Uh, you see like various homesteads, like like tracks of farmland, right? Like people like working, working the land, people harvesting. A lot of these seem to be rice paddy fields, as well as like just like regular vegetable gardens, uh, which makes me think of the last time you were at a vegetable garden, which is Delapathy Sayid's homestead, right? In Northern Talmud. Uh, but the, the earth here, the soil is a lot more fertile, right? Like it's not like like at Fireroot Farm where Cawthor presumably had to use magic to make things grow. Like here, it's just, there's like rivers everywhere, right? And the, the air smells moist uh, with, with fertile ground. You see people like hoeing the ground, planting, harvesting, working, like oxen pulling carts, irrigating fields, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and you eventually meet other people on the road, like a trader passes you, right? Aboard, uh, on top of a, uh, a zebra, uh, a, a dwarven trader with like a big, with a big, with a clean shaven face on top of a very familiar, uh, unctuous looking zebra. Uh, and this man sort of is muttering to the zebra, there, there, stripes. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, and it's like patting, patting stripes, the zebra, like on, on the side of the neck. And it seems to be very involved in his conversation with the zebra to like really give any of you like a passing glance. And something about this dude seems familiar. Do you think any of your characters would remember would remember this guy? 
What if you if you are interested in this, you can roll me a history check intelligence to see if you can remember. Because I think all of you, even if you don't want to remember or wouldn't, something about this seems familiar. You're getting a little bit of a deja vu. Uh, which tent did that zebra run over? I think that was at the point where we all shared Oka's tent. So is anyone rolling <laughs> rolling a history check or is no one no one interested in that? V rolled a 10. Dewey does not care. Rev doesn't know this dude. Uh, so V, your eyes, your double-colored eyes sort of like fall on this kind of fat zebra uh, and this like uh, similarly like fat uh, dwarven man on top of her. And then something clicks and you just remember this dude's loaded. You don't know how you know. You don't know why you know. But this dude is loaded and your eyes fall on a, on a bulging coin purse strapped to the back of the zebra right by its hindquarters. What do you do as it starts to pass you? Maybe five feet away. Oh my gosh, I want a dimension door. <laughs> um, it's the, it's the coin, the per, the, they're right there, right? Yeah, you're starting, it's like a slow motion, like bullet time as you look. And like the, the butt of the zebra is like passing by with this like massive coin purse like dangling off of its flank. Like five, ten feet away from you. V is going to disguise self and look like a generic member of the chrysalis and then is going to dimension door <laughs> over to this maybe on to the zebra I don't know um and try to steal the gold and be like blessed be the chrysalis and then dimension door back into the wagon which I'll have to actually use some sorcery points since I did the um to fourth yeah I'll just I'll use the sorcery points to make one more slot to for the second dimension door. That's what I would like to do. Okay. You do it. Describe to me what it looks like. <laughs> All right, so so V is just like sees the gold and just like oh, bites bites down hard on the knuckle. Screw it! And just like boosh into a green flur flash, is like human in chrysalis robes, looking like like kind of like our our friend who um is no longer with us, Shakur, and uh, Dimension Doors finds herself like on the zebra, like blessed be the chrysalis, huh? Uh, no! Yes! <laughs> and boosh! Whoosh, just an ex green explosion of like, boom, dimension door back in and like immediately drops the disguise and like tries to hide the, the fact that she has this bag of gold now. Okay, all of you sort of hear as the zebra's passing like, what? No, wait, where did they go? Where did that doughy-faced looking man go? Stripes, stripes! Like, sort of like fading out as like, uh, the merchant continues to ride stripes like down the road. Doesn't seem to realize that you dimension door back to the caravan he just passed. Um, and poof, as you reappear, and I'm assuming your disguise falls off, right? Yes. Yep. You reappear, <laughs> reappear at the front of the wagon. Uh, you you open up, you open up the pouch, uh, and inside of the pouch, you just see a single cabbage. Well, V pulls it out. I guess not every score is worth its weight in gold. And she just take, like, takes a bite off the cabbage and just grumbly crunches on it. Rev stares at you. <laughs> like, what? 
You don't expect me to be good all the time, do you? When Dewey pieces together what happens, he smacks the cabbage out of V's hand. No! And it just like falls out, like fly, flings out. I worked so hard for cabbage. I get nothing. V socks. We're here. Uh, <laughs> very seriously draws the cart to a halt in front of a uh, an archway that leads into like a private garden, right? And you see like farmland attached to this house uh, that doesn't seem to be worked right now. Um, and, and a house, right? A straw roofed house, very humble, except that there are multiple buildings like, spilling out from this house and it's big enough to have a courtyard. It's not quite in the town town square. Uh, it's sort of like on the outskirts of this hamlet you're heading toward. Uh, and Rev pulls it to a stop. And the first thing that all of you notice is the smell of flowers. Just thick in the air, spilling out from the courtyard, pollen and beautiful, like this delicious, fragrant floral scent. Uh, and you see in the courtyard, past past the archway, uh, which has written into some words above it. Do any of you speak or read too? I do. V does. Oh right, I keep forgetting. V, you read it. Uh, you read the characters on this archway, and it just says "late bloom" uh, in in two. Uh, and you see, like, just these beds upon beds upon beds of flowers in the courtyard within. Uh, you see lo lotuses floating in, like, ponds and springs, right? It's a quite, quite a big courtyard um, with, like, open, like, in, in full bloom, like, these beautiful white and pink and yellow lotuses with lily pads and, like, frogs, like, mounted on the lily pads, like, 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 right? Like, sticking out their tongue and, like, catching a fly and, like, dragonflies, like, flying over, like, the soft, gentle crests of the lotuses. Um, you also see like trees, like magnolia, like several proud magnolia trees with like magnolias in full bloom, like white and pink and yellow, even golden and silver magnolias. It's a fantasy world, because why not? Uh, just like opened up, like that's the, the main smell you're smelling, because magnolias have a very strong scent. Um, and you sort of see like birds chirping, like little brown dirt-colored sparrows, like in the branches of the magnolia trees, like singing uh, and like like sniffing at the pollen and like hopping back to their nests that they've built in the crook of various branches of, of the magnolia trees. You also see azaleas, you see camellias, you see plum blossoms and plum trees, you see peonies, you see rose bushes, and you see chrys chrysanthemums just everywhere. Like, this place is teeming with just flowers. Like, so much of it. And it smells so strong and delicious and beautiful. Uh, and Rev indicates, sat on, um, on the top of that sign that says late bloom, a raven. Uh, and the raven quirks its head at Rev, lets out a caw, and then takes off. This has got to be it. Are we ready? You'll have to do the talking. I don't know how well I can explain that birds brought us here. I mean, I can come up with many stories of what brought us here, but uh, I'm ready to go. All right. Just remember, we're trying to find just a safe place to stow our mounts, and we have to go look for Oka or try to find them somehow. We'll find them. Don't worry. We have to. Even if it means I have to... I suppose I could try to ask the Raven Queen for help, or try to read some omens, do some augury. Anything that will point us in their direction. Let's just focus on not getting caught ourselves first. Don't you care about your friend, Dewey? They could be in danger. They could be in the middle of fighting for their life right now. You only care about your own neck? 
we can't go looking for them with this giant caravan and apparently we also have a bounty on our heads and why do you think i brought us here for safe harbor yeah in go <sighs> that's what i'm saying look we can everybody where we can be everybody calm we're fine we've found this place let's apparently we we should be here so let's let's just assume that this is where we need to go to find oka <sighs> fine uh, and Rev sort of hops off uh, of the wagon and starts to like lead the horses, uh, not the horses, uh, the elk and the cows in by hand instead of just like riding in. She like hops off, but sort of like casts like a sideways look at you, Doobie. It sort of like mutters loud enough for everyone to hear, huh, Paragon of Galtinger, my ass. The only freedom you have is freedom from other people's responsibilities. V casts message in into Rev's mind. Rev! <laughs> Uh, Rev sort of responds, I think, because you can respond when you, when you cast messages mm -hmm. in someone's head, right? They can send a short message back. Yep. Um, she responds in your head, sorry, I just, a companion of yours gets on my nerves sometimes. Uh, and she continues to lead the cows in by hand and uh, opens up her, her mouth and says, hello, is anyone home? Hello. Uh, Manaya, uh, what, what do you do? Manaya is looking around at the flowers and maybe unconsciously brings her hand up to adjust her hair, but really to sort of finger the, the flower crown turned hairband in her hair. Yeah, the flowers sort of like ripple softly under your fingers, like their, their petals sort of like yielding under your touch. And you don't know why, but you get the sense that they're happy to be here. Get the sense that like this magic is really it's something that the princess of leaves would love if she were talking to you right now. You get the feeling that she'd really like this place. Whenever like Rev is like, hello, anybody here? I think V is repeating that back, but in like chew, like just speaking that language as opposed to common. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are you also hopping off of the wagon or are you staying on it? Yeah, I think V uh, hops off and sort of like walking around. Staying close to the group, but distancing a little bit to, like, get a look around and stuff. Okay. You hop off, look around, and all of you, like, take it as you, like, pass under the archway. You're, like, really taking it, taking in, taking in just, like, how well-loved this garden is. Like, someone clearly put a lot of, like, blood and sweat uh, into maintaining this garden. And it also, like, sort of hums with magic all around you. Because flowers are not supposed to be in full bloom all the time, especially this late in autumn, right? It's the final five weeks. So this is definitely, you can sort of like feel the weave here. It doesn't hang heavy like the presence of a shattered god, um, but it almost feels light and airy. Like all the pollen are like lifting the strings of the weave up and like causing them to sing with like magic and, and, and really beautiful smells. Um, and as you continue to call, there's sort of like a sound of uh, footsteps uh, going over wood uh, and exiting the house at the end of this courtyard, uh, stepping out onto the stone tiles, uh, leaning against this like uh, carved oak, sorry, carved maple uh, cane, is the oldest man you've ever seen in your life. Uh, he's bent over with age, right? And his he's he's balding, but there's a little bit of black black hair on like forming like a crown on the back of his head that sort of like uh, turns into these like twin braids, I think, like dangling off either side of his uh, his, his temple, and it's got it's braided up with like tons of little flowers. Uh, flowers are braided all into his hair. 
Uh, and he even has, I think, like a tattoo on the exposed scalp of his head of like a, a lotus flower, full bloom. Uh, and he sort of like is leaning on this cane. Uh, his brow is super low, like with these like thick caterpillar like uh, eyebrows. You can't see his eyes, uh, but he's got this like a little like stubbled like white beard like all over his mouth. And he's wearing these very plain clothes, um, but he uh, you know and he's like leaning against the cane and he stops maybe uh, thirty feet down the path from you. Uh, sort of cocks his head uh, at all of you as you're you're calling out, and he responds in common so all of you can understand. I, uh, sorry, the, uh, flower beds are closed for business today. Have to make dinner for the youngins. Can I help you? Well, we were travelers, friend, and we were, um, we were stopping by, and your uh, establishment seemed to really catch our eyes. Seems like such a beautiful, wonderful place you've got here, and, uh, what kind of place is this? It seems like there's something really quite special about this place. It seems like you've really taken really good care of this place. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you. And he, like, approaches you, right, like, hobbling on his cane uh, as you speak, like, tunk, 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 as you hear, like, the, the wooden bottom of his cane, like, thunking against, like, the, the stone path. And he says, oh, I've cultivated these flowers for as long as I've, I've been alive, ever since I was a little boy myself, and my father taught me how to take care of the flowers, but... By the Emperor's grace, I was given a slightly bigger parcel of land, a few more helping hands, and now, welcome to Late Bloom Flower Garden. I sell flowers, I buy seeds, that's what I do. I also have a boarding house in the back, but I'm afraid beds are currently full. We're not looking for beds. I'm sorry to rush you, sir, and with all due respect, we're looking for a place for our uh, animals and carriage to stay as we go to try to find our friend. Your friend? And who is your friend, might I ask? Maybe I've seen them running around here. Oh, no, we lost them in the forest. Oh, the Silent Grove. That's a dangerous place for you to be wandering. Well, we are adventurers. We like to, you know, take some risky adventures in our time and, you know... We did, we, we got to the other side, it was very, it was a very interesting time, but uh, our friend disappeared when we were nearly out of the Silent Groves, which is where we're a little concerned. I see, I see. Well, ah, oh, what the hell. I'll pull up four more seats for dinner, it's no skin off my back, I have a couple of open spots in the stables. No, we really must be going. I insist, I insist. Well, at least take some food with you on your journey. Uh, mm, Duin, Duin, I need you out here. I need your big, strong arms to lead these animals to stable. Uh, and coming out of the home uh, where this old man also exited from, you see like a kind of like big... Sort of, he has to like duck uh, under the door frame to like, like you know, peek out. Like this big, you're like, oh my god, is that a giant? Oh no, that's just the half orc. Uh, like stepping out, uh, this big burly half orc boy with like the roundest face you've ever seen in your life. Like it's Orbitus, like Squeak's body, uh, like a pumpkin, uh, and he's got these big old cheeks, right? And like a really soft baby face and these like really dewy eyelashes, right? Even though he's so big and muscular, it's like a, someone grafted a baby's head like onto like a grown like pro wrestler's body. Uh, and he like steps out and he's dressed in these like, uh, he's wearing this like really like floral dress. Uh, that like goes all the way down to his feet and he has to like pick it up so it doesn't get scuffed around in the dirt. Um, 
And he goes, uh, yeah, yes, Grandpa? We have visitors. Please show these, uh, horrible, beautiful, pretty little cows and that moose thing, uh, t- to the stables, please. Oh, I think that's an elk, Grandpa. Is it? Oh, my eyebrows have been getting in my eyes recently. Yeah, 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 please. Thank you. They, they, everyone, this is Dwin. Dwin is one of the people in the boarding house. He's a late bloomer. Oh, Grandpa, you know I'm kind of self-conscious about that term. Well, you gotta embrace it. Nothing shameful in being a late bloomer. Uh, and, like, Pat's Dwin. I think he can only reach Dwin's, like, calf. Like, pats it as, like, Dwin, like, hobbles past and starts, like, helping you, like, unhitch the, you know, the wagon, the, you know, your mount is, like, starting to lead them, like, back through the archway and, like, like, toward, like, around, around this parcel of land toward where stables are hidden, presumably. What do you all do while this is happening? I think V is actually going to cast one more message back to Rev and be like, are you certain is this the place where we need to be? Uh, and Rev replies, I don't... I don't know. I hold on. And Rev says out loud, "Of uh, thank you for taking our mount. Uh, like my companion said, we really have to get going. Uh, I, we didn't catch a name. Uh, who should we thank? I'm Rev. Uh, this is Manaya. This is Victoria. And this is Cardu. Ah, you could just call me Grandpa Grandpa Hong. Though my full name is Hong Hien." Uh, which, of course, is Oka's last name. Uh, and on that, we're gonna cut to Oka. Why don't you roll initiative as you're suspended in the air, like your wings shot out of your back, this like line, like a fishing line, or like the, the string of a kite of pure black light uh, connecting you to this mysterious masked rider at the front of your uh, uh, palanquin p- procession. What did you get? Only a 10 for initiative. Okay, they are going to go first. Uh, so they are going to... Uh, I'm assuming you're going to try to use your... You said you were trying to like dive bomb them, right? I'm coming at them with ill intent very fast. Okay, uh, I think they can see that and sense it. I think it's pretty obvious. So they are, uh, with one hand holding onto the, the string, they're going to fling out their other hand and just sort of out of nowhere, poof, another knife. Uh, sort of just like slices through the air and as this one is golden and it's crackling with like electricity or some sort of like magical lightning energy and it is going to smack you (laughs) smack you right under the arm can i try to use uh since my calling edge is drawn can i try to use my uh parry on that yeah that's a reaction right so that can reduce the damage taken that is one, six, ooh, five plus four uh, for reduced damage taken. So nine. Okay. You're going to reduce the incoming damage by nine. So you are only going to take, let me do some quick math here. You're only going to take 11 points uh, of piercing damage uh, and another four points of lightning damage. And I need you to make a con save. A natural 20. Okay. You save. But you could feel your body like, like, like electricity just sort of like bounces from your wing to your head and like static just like erupts off your body as this one seems, this person would seem to be trying to incapacitate you, right? Like instead of kill you. So they were trying to like stun you or at the very least like paralyze you somehow, but you were able to fight through it. So now it is your turn. Yeah, I think as the lightning uh, starts bouncing off of Oka's body, it turns red wherever it hits their skin. 
Uh, because Oka, is, at this point, is kind of... It makes sense to me, because Oka's used to lightning rolling up and down their body at this point. Um, so I think it, like, sparks off in red. Uh, and I... Uh, I mean, I have Culling Edge drawn, so if I get a stab in or two, that's great. But what I'm mostly trying to do is knock this person off their pretty fucking horse. Okay, so make an attack roll. Make an attack roll. Let's see what happens. 14 plus 7, if I'm using my weapon. I suppose I am. Uh, 21, that, that does hit their armor class. Uh, so roll damage. 19 points of piercing damage and 3 points of fire damage. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, they take it. What does it look like? Uh, Oka, you know, they're still kind of like electric, but now they're the worst kite you've seen and they're also electrified. Uh, and as they come forward, this like warmth glowing out of their, their tattoo like solidifies. Uh, and turns into their own knife, just kind of that apparates like from the top of their hand, and they just put this person right in the chest, kind of like how they threw Kane off the side of the dais, but we're going off the side of the horse now. Okay, because you succeeded so well, I will allow you to use your second quote unquote attack to try to also shove them off the horse. So why don't you roll that second attack as well? I'll use an insp- I still have one inspiration, right? You do not, you're out, but we have one point of- we have collective inspiration is on. Do you want to turn it off? I would like to have, I would like to use the point of inspiration if y'all would be so kind. All right, Oka, we're turning off collective inspiration. That's a 17 on the floor, natural, plus seven. Okay, yes, that does hit then. Uh, roll damage. Okay, uh, damage again, or just to knock them, to knock us both off the horse? Uh, you get to roll damage with it. Uh, I'm not gonna make you take your attack away. So you roll damage and they're gonna have to make a strength save. 20 points of piercing and another three points of fire. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so describe to me what it looks like as you attack this person and try to shove them off with your magical culling edge. Yeah, like I said, they like punt one in the chest uh, and the blood just goes right in. Uh, I can also use my, uh, yeah, whenever I deal damage, I guess I used my reaction already this turn, eh? Okay, you did. So I, so I cannot do that. Um, but Oka just like punts once, immediately takes it out and punts again. Uh, they're going for blood here a little bit. They're kind of scared, uh, so they're lashing out. Um, and they like just like pummel this person off the horse and they're both like flying through the air. Okay, I think you just do it. I won't even make them roll a save uh, or to roll a grapple check or anything. You fly into them like magic exploding through the grove as the two of you collide like neuron stars uh, and you you punt them off of the horse and as you do the side of one of your like double peopled eyes like catches something in your peripheral vision and you see dream hunter strapped to the side of their horse like sort of hogtied almost like it's strapped down like they've taken dream hunter with them but like left presumably the rest of you because you don't see your things in the in the carriage Right, and you don't see the rest of your things on this horse, but they did take Dream Hunter. And then the two of you, bam, you hit the ground and you start tumbling, right? Like your wings are sort of like, you know, collecting dust. Like you hit, you roll over the hard shells of like seeds from these ginkgo trees, which are like basically like the size of like ginormous marbles and just as hard. So that hurts as well, surprisingly. And like over sticks and twigs and these leaves are crunching everywhere. Dust is flying up. Like you're, you know, like your two like dogs like attacking each other in the dirt. Um, and what are you what are you saying? What are you doing as you as you tackle them off? Fucking let go of me. And every punch is like a duh, duh, duh. Uh, 
and it's the undertone is also fear. Uh, like they're lashing out a lot because they're afraid. Uh, and there's like blood flying around now. Are you trying to punch their mask off? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, then I'm going to ask you to make a uh, sleight of hand contest. Ooh, okay, a grapple check? That's plus strength? You can use uh, athletics or acrobatics. 14. They rolled an 8. So describe to me what it looks like as you just, you knock that mask off. It's real quick. Oka's like animal instinct, like punch, punch to the chest. And then their other hand comes off. And like, I think just like they're rolling on the ground, but they're like tearing at this, like trying to get the thing off. And they just grab at the mask and yank with their other, with their opposite hand. Okay. You yank this golden, beautifully painted mask off. uh, And as it flies off, you see, you see a face. Uh, And this face is soft. Uh, almost gentle, uh, except that it's wrought through with this ex- this vicious scar uh, that runs from their chin, the bottom of their chin, like all the way up, like the, the right side of their face. It removes a chunk of their nose uh, and it goes up and stops sort of at their right temple uh, into the hairline. Uh, and their eyes, uh, both of their eyes are red. Uh, and their eyes, like, widen uh, as you knock the mask off. Uh, and they just let out a, no! They pull out their hand, uh, and they, like, grab onto the mask, and they're, like, like very, like, desperately trying to put it back on. Uh, I think at this point we've probably stopped rolling, and Oka is, like, okay. uh, like maybe, like, holding them down with the blade on one side, uh, and has their hand on the mask, so maybe they're just kind of, like, fighting with it there. And Oka maybe has them pinned if they won their grapple check. Like, who the fuck are you? They just sort of like look up at you, like with these like wide red eyes, these like furrowed brown. They're like ugh, desperately trying to put the mask back on, but you're preventing them. And they just like look away from you, almost like they're embarrassed. They look pretty humiliated right now. Uh, like they do not want this mask off, like at all. What? What do you think I was? Some pretty little prince? No, no, no. We're the same. Look at me. You want to try to fuck with me? Don't. Roll intimidation with advantage. 18. Okay. And they say, the queen sent me. Oka moves off real quick, I think, as though they got like burned by whatever they said. There used to lots of people coming after them. That's surprising. They, like, get off real quick. Uh, the disengage action. Uh, they, like, back up, uh, keeping themselves between um, the palanquin and the horse and this person. Still very much arms armed, both of their wings spread. The queen. What is... <laughs> what? What? You let them have their mask back? Okay, we'll let them have their mask back. They snatch it off the ground and they scramble to their feet and they like quickly fit the mask back on and they look back up and when they speak, it's like a filtered voice. Uh, Like magic is like distorting their voice to make it a lot deeper uh, and a lot more menacing uh, with the mask on. Uh, They sound like a totally different person. Um, And as they put it on, it's almost like they become a different person too. Like their shoulders relax, they're no longer hunched and they look up at you like through like the the painted eye, eye holes of the mask and they say, 
You want back into the slumbering palace, don't you? Okahie. I don't need your fucking help to do it. It's not a request. I have been sent by Queen Mo Guilin to bring you into the slumbering palace. You and the sword you stole. Queen Mo wants me back in the palace. <laughs> and I think Oka gets a little hysterical. Like they start laughing for a second and then they like start really laughing and it gets like a little hysterical where they like put both their hands on their knees and then they just abruptly stop. They look back up, they jerk their head. Prince Mo, uh, Queen Mo does not want me back in the palace. She wants Dreamhunter back where it belongs because it belongs to her son. My instructions were clear. Bring you and Dreamhunter back to the palace. Me and Dreamhunter are coming back to the palace at our own fucking pace. No. No, you will not be. Yeah? Are you gonna take me back? You and what fucking army? That army. Attack. And the four people who are carrying. <laughs> I really walked into that one. <laughs> the palanquin. Gently lower it to the ground. And then they, I think they like, they bull rush you. Like as like a coordinated attack. And you just feel like four different sets of these like massive hands grab you. And you realize what they are. Uh, because everyone in the palace knows that Queen Morguilin is a flesh seer. She makes flesh constructs. She's really good at it. So these flesh constructs grab you. You can try to make like a, it's, the DC is going to be really high because there's four of them. You can try to resist, but it's probably not going to succeed. Maybe even with a crit, it might not succeed. Okay, I'll just roll straight up just to see for fun. Okay. Natural one do it. So Oka, tell me what it looks like as they take you out. <laughs> Oka was feeling very badass and very much like, ha, fuck you, assassin. Uh, and then I just think they get like the same soft spot where this person must have knocked them before. It's just like one beautiful flesh created hand just goes and they just, they're like, their entire knee, they're, both of their knees give out and they just go, gah, 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 gah. Um, and then they're just like, you know, then there's no hope and their wings kind of like shudder and fold back into their back. Uh, and then there's very little hope. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think with a nat one, you get knocked out. Uh, if you're going to take, if you're going to take the unconscious condition, I'll, 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 I'll give you a carrot. I'll let you get inspiration. Yeah. Sure, sure, boss. I'll take that. All right, munch on that carrot. Mark inspiration. Oka, you're, everything goes black. Uh, you fall to the ground. And I think the last thing you see is like a pair of like leather boots approaching you as like your, your eyes are blinking in and out. And then it kicks you, right? And you're, you're completely out. Uh, and on Oka getting knocked unconscious. For the second time today. You don't know how long it's been uh, since the first time you were knocked unconscious. I'm going to say that very ominously. Uh, we are going to cut back to the rest of the party. Dewey, Manaya, and V. And of course, Rev. The four of you look down. because Yes, even you, Dewey. Look down at this like tiny old man who's like looking up at you and has just introduced himself as Grandpa Hien Hong. And as you look at him, 
I mean, he's a drow. Oka's kind of drow-like. He's got like ears that are kind of shaped like Oka's ears. Like his skin tone is almost like swath for swath, like Oka's skin tone. Uh, you can't tell if he has double pupils either because his uh, eyebrows are so overgrown, right? Um, but he could. I mean, he's also a drag. He could be. I mean, huh. What did the three of you do? I think V's going to be like, huh. Yen, isn't that... Doesn't the royal family have that... Uh... Hey, 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 hey! Gotta be careful with that name around here. That's okay, it's okay. We know we're kind of the black sheep of the... Uh... Royal line. I am. I am technically, I suppose, nobility, though I was not born into it. Uh, my daughter married into it. Everyone in this town knows. Uh, I choose not to live in Dokal property. I, I don't like all the fancy airs they put on, little feasts they throw themselves. No, I prefer simple, humble living out here. But yes. I am the father of Arden Hien, the fourth wife of the Emperor. Well, isn't that convenient? V looks over, like, over to Rev and the rest of the party members. Uh, she's saying that, like, sort of under her breath. Uh, Rev just sort of, like, looks, like, so smug. She turns and looks out like Dewey with just this shit-eating grin on her face and says... The Raven Queen gives. The Raven Queen may taketh away. Grandpa Hien. Uh. With all due respect, I'll be frank. I'm, we need to make sure we can trust you. I thought you, you were Manaya. You, might... <laughs> oh, you said you'll be frank. Oh, that was a good one. That ah. was a good one. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. What? I stopped listening after, after I heard the pun. Of course. Sorry. My apologies, sir. Can we trust you? We think you might be able to help us. Oh? Well, I don't know about trust. What kind of a help are we talking about? You want to play some Mahjong? You can't trust me when we're playing Mahjong. <laughs> I can't trust me to look after your liquor, either. When I looks around, is there anyone in the direct like vicinity? Aside from Dwin, who at this point I think is like is gone, like has like led like both of the cows and the elk out and your 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 carriage too. So it's just you with your I'm assuming like with your equipment and like your weapons and stuff like on your bodies. You're like standing in the middle of this garden. No, it just seems to be the four of you and Grandpa Hien. Though you can hear voices uh, from deeper within and the smell of like cooking rice. Like it seems like they're getting ready for um for lunch. I think because it's about midday. Our friend who we lost in the forest is your grandchild, I believe. What? I think they used to be called Makoya. At that, Grandpa Hien like looks up and like his eyebrows r raise like to such an extent that you see his eyes. Uh, and he's got these like normal looking like black eyes, I think. Um, but but their shape is similar to Oka's. He looks up with this like look of like astonishment and shock and just emotion has like frozen his expression into place. W what? Manaya takes a knee. Forgive me, sir. I did not mean to disturb you this much out of the blue. Oka is... Makoya is with you? So you know then. Oka is their name. We lost them in the sacred grove. 
they're wanted here and we need to go find them. How? How? But I don't. Ugh. And he sort of like staggers backward like this news is hitting him really hard. Um, and he reaches for like a nearby seat, like a stool, and he like sits down on it. And he like leans against his cane. Makoya is... Makoya is still... alive. With all due respect, sir, Makoya Hien is dead. Oka Hie is our companion. <laughs> so they've gone by their childhood nickname forever, haven't they? Oka. <laughs> Oka's alive. I knew it. I knew, I knew this day would come. I knew they'd come back. I knew it. I knew they wouldn't leave their sisters, their mother, their old man behind. Um, and Grandpa Hien like, starts pushing himself back up to his feet. A thousand apologies, sir, but they aren't here. We think they were taken. Can you help us? Bounty hunters? More than likely. Of course I'll help you. If what you're saying is true, then that means... Oh, my dear, sweet Oka. Oka's back. Oka's... Please, please, you must... Come, come. I have some people who may be able to help. Come, come, quick, hurry. Uh, and he starts turning and hobbling back toward, toward the house. Manaya glances at Rev with a questioning look. Rev gives a, a nod. Manaya leads the charge. Okay. V, Dewey? V looks back at Dewey being like, hmm? Dewey does the, like, purposeful not eye contact and, like, follows V. The four of you, including Rev, go into this house. Uh, the Grandpa Hien, like, steps over this, like, little, um... I don't know what to call them, uh, but it's like this little raised wooden platform that sort of like separates the outside from the inside uh, in a lot of like Chinese and like various East Asian architecture. Uh, and he, he steps over it uh, into like this main area of the house where you sort of see like there's a, a shrine, first of all, like a very well kept um, uh, shrine uh, to and there's like a, a photo, like a drawing of of several people on the shrine. The first one is of Oka. Um, it's like a shrine to the dead, right? With like oranges and like flowers and like coin, uh, coins and, and gems and jewels and like this beautiful wreath all around it. The first drawing is that of Oka, but with really long hair. Actually, uh, C, would you like to describe what, what your party sees? Oh, yeah. Uh, this young person, probably this drawing was made when they were 15. So even younger than in the dream memory that y'all had in the dream shield. Uh, the same, you know, slate gray skin, all of the, the fre their freckles, I think, on their face are more pronounced because their face isn't lined. They don't have those like thick eye bags or the scars that twist across their face. So it's really just like their freckles and their eyes uh, in the drawing still uh, drawn with the double pupils and this long black hair that just it like goes beyond the reaches of the photo. And it's like pulled back in this like beautiful braid. Uh, and they still have all their piercings, um, maybe just like one bridge instead of two and like two little things. And they look kind of like proud uh, and they have like a training sword on their back uh, and they're like smiling for the drawing. It's weird to see them smile with like no lines on their face and not this like bisection of their lip. Like they're just like full and smiling. 
Yeah. Uh, and the second photo next to Oka, or rather Makoya, uh, is of a like drow woman um, who could be Oka's mom, uh, but maybe not. You get the sense that maybe it's the Grandpa Hien's wife. Uh, because you, uh, she's like sort of like sitting there for a portion and smiling kind of serenely. Uh, she's in these like very like humble robes, right? She's like holding a flower in the picture and is smiling. And it's kind of like done in like an old, old fashioned way. So a little bit like maybe like a generation ago, right? Instead of like more modern right now. Uh, and Grandpa Hien like hustles past this shrine. There's like various other shrines now to like Mengshun Zhudi specifically, like with like uh, scrolls and little statuettes of like this like old looking, like very wise looking like uh, male elf is usually how like Mengshun Zhudi is portrayed, I think. Uh, though there are various interpretations, right? This is just the dominant, dominant version. Uh, he like hustles past this like foyer area and leads you into a dining hall where several people are bustling about and like setting food out sort of like family style onto like this big circular table and like somewhere deeper within you can like hear and smell the kitchen going um that has like several other people working it uh, and you see uh Dwin has apparently come in from like a like a back entrance and is like has come in and has sat down there's Dwin there's also this like very shy looking human girl uh who can't be older than maybe 15 or 16 and she sort of sat there with this like like black hair just completely covering her face like she has not cut her bangs like a day of her life but like the hair is like short so like a reverse mullet like the hair is like really short on the back but like it just hangs in the front it's like getting in her rice bowl and Dwin is just going uh Momo do you want to try to maybe once you eat your I'm okay I'm fine don't look at me uh says Momo and Dwin says oh okay uh and Momo's like eats behind her, her curtain of hair and there's like another person uh a kind of lazy looking like dirt brown tiefling uh who's sort of like leaned back and has has their feet up like on the table and is sort of eating kind of rudely like in their lap and as soon as grandpa hien comes in uh they don't notice grandpa hien come in they just have like a single horn like sticking out of like their forehead like a unicorn horn almost but it's sort of like almost like a rhino horn actually it, like curves up and it's kind of thick and broad um which gives them the, the impression if you look at them head on that their eyes are perpetually cross-eyed uh but when grandpa hien comes in grandpa hien picks up uh his his staff and whacks this tiefling uh, across the shins and Stephen goes, ow, ow, hey, hey, hey. No feet up on the table. Hurry, hurry, hustle, hustle. Uh, Ozen, make, make some room for our guests. And the tiefling sort of mutters to themselves, but they get up and start like making space uh, for the rest of you to like sit around, sit around this dinner table. Uh, sorry, this lunch table. Grandpa Hien says, the people who can help find Oka are right here. And he looks very proudly at pumpkin-faced Dwin, Mau Mau with a curtain of hair in front of her face, and rhino horn person. Uh, in a word, they're, they're not paragons. <laughs> I'm not even gonna like, they are not. <laughs> There's nothing. Yeah, it's, they look like not just average, but like, like you would pick them last for like fantasy kickball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Manaya looks from this this group of unique individuals <laughs> over to her companions tall muscular gray skin with raven feathers all over pale elf with literal dragon scales crawling across her face a giant fucking bird in armor and glasses that's nah, pretty normal but you know 
Craig. And she says, well, well, she specifically like looks at Rev, but addresses the whole party and he's like, birds of a feather, I suppose. But do the, how do the rest of you respond? As I think everyone, Momo, Duin, and Azin all sort of like look at the four of you and can like can see in their eyes or in the case of Momo, her bangs, uh, that like they're just looking at you like, wow. Like they're all, they're all sort of starry eyed, like looking up at, at the four of you. Well, he says, uh, I've done more with less. If by less you mean you mean us, you just have to say. You don't have to allude to things. I think these we're, this is gonna triple our strength just having these fine, fine individuals helping us. And I can't help but glance at Rev. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Grandpa Hien. Surely these three individuals are blessed in some way, right? They must have unique talents. That's why you think that they can help us find Oka? Wait, Oka? Says Dwin. You mean the childhood nickname of Prince Makoya Kien, resident bad boy of the slumbering palace? Uh, and you see Dwin, this pumpkin-headed uh, half-orc, like, pulls out sort of like a like a scroll uh, that has sort of almost like a, like a pin-up drawing uh, of Oka as, like, Makoya. You know what I mean? Like, in, like, calligraphy brush. Like, in this beautiful, like, watercolor brush, but it's, like, super, like, like, kind of distasteful. Uh, I grab a hand, like, smacks Dwin across the shins as well. Ah! And, like, Dwin, like, scrolls back up. And Mamo says, Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, I thought this would come. I, I had nightmares about this day coming. And Azen, sort of like with like their their hands behind their back, uh, hands behind their their head, says, "Hey, you got dreams, you got nightmares every night, Momo. A nightmare where you have a night where you have a nightmare is normal. Is a night that ends in in day, eh?" Ha <laughs> ah. ha. Ah. Ah. Uh, they sort of trail off when no one else laughs. Uh, and Grappa Hien says, "Enough. Yes, to answer your question, Rev. Yes, these three late bloomers." as I like to call them, each bring unique gifts that can help us track down Oka. I told the three of you when I started this boarding school, when I, uh, this, this boarding house, and I started ex accepting other people into my life, it was to make right by Makoya. Sorry, by, by Oka, as they now go by. Because poor Oka was always watching out for their younger sisters, looking after my daughter, their mother. And what happened to them, what happened to them wasn't right. It wasn't their fault, but they paid the ultimate price. Exile, that they might never see their family again. Some nights I wonder if it wouldn't have been easier for their sisters and their mother if they'd just been executed like they were supposed to be. At least then, poor little Yaya wouldn't have any hope left. She'd learn to move on, like the rest of them. Like Toya did. But Oka is alive. I knew they'd be. Oka's alive, and we have to find them. And we have to bring them back home. Working together, I know we can. So what exactly are these talents that the three of you bring to the table in recovering uh, uh, kidnapped people. Uh, well, says Duin, I, um, 
I was a royal guard in, in Dokao. So I, I know the capital really well. And I have contacts. And, and... <sighs> you mean you were almost a royal guard, but you never made it past training? Well, uh, hey, it was really scary, okay? And final training is a bunch of one-on-one... -on -one you know, duels, and you know I'm not good when I'm I'm put in the spotlight, so I just, I, uh... So you just packed it up and ran away because you couldn't face your responsibilities. How about you? <laughs> oh, don't you know? As in here, you know, I was on track to become number one finisher of the Imperial exams last year. Yeah, but you didn't. You dropped out the night before, didn't you? What? Hey, it wasn't my fault. I, I might have gotten kind of wasted on pumpkin wine and, 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 and they couldn't handle the pressure. Just like Dwin, they dropped out. And now their parents, who are a bunch of scholars in the slumbering palace, kicked them out. They're mooching off their parents too much. And so, now they're here. Hey, you're one to talk, Nightmare Girl. Hi, I'm Mau Mau. I was training to be a dream prophet. Dream interpreter. Uh, and she's really good at it, too. Yeah, but Meng Shindrudi must hate me because I only ever have nightmares. <laughs> yep, that's us. Great, this is... Just exactly the party I thought I needed in order to get, uh, snuck into... Oh, gosh. V just v, hangs her head. V, don't be mean. Uh, not being mean. This is a wonderful group. I'm really excited. Let's... We got this. V, I know I'm not the best at reading faces and tones, but I know you're being cynical. Allow me. Manai sits down at the table, probably at a chair a little bit too small for her. And she puts her arms up, very prominently showing her muscles, as well as her armbands, as well as uh, maybe her Manaya pendant glittering in her ear. And she says, my name is Manaya. Do you want to know a fun fact about me? You're really big, says Dwin. Sometimes that doesn't, that isn't quite as fun as you think. I grew up in an orphanage. My parents went missing when I was very young, and I didn't have a place to go. My friends at the orphanage, those who I befriended and those who I ended up taking care of, well, let's just say I wasn't alone. Manaya looks down at herself. Some of the strongest people I know come from the most, from the humblest beginnings. You each have very, very special talents. And I think, with your help especially, we'll find Oka in no time. <laughs> Some of the best sailors I know, as much as I may dislike their personalities, were there in that orph orphanage with me. So, Mau Mau, was it? Yes. A lot of bad things are happening in this world. It's understandable that you're having a lot of nightmares. And it's okay to be scared. But let's start working on trying to be calm. Breathe a little bit. See what those dreams are really telling you. 
and Dwin? Uh, yeah, that's me. I'd bet three gold pieces you could beat me in an arm wrestling match. Oh, I don't know. You look pretty strong. We'll see about that later. And... I bet she just let you win! And your name was? Azen. One and only. I see. One and only. Well, friends, we're in familiar company. We're all one and onlys, you might say. How soon can we leave? Manaya turns to Grandpa Hien. We can leave as soon as we're all well nourished. Can't go oka hunting on an empty stomach. We're just setting ourselves up for failure. I think V is looking at the situation and just listening and perhaps in a little bit uh, thinking about the fact, you know, V came from not really having much family in a lot of the growing up she had to do in life. And when... I don't think V's going to say anything. I just think um, V's just going to look at these three with new sets of eyes and being like, you know what? Perhaps, perhaps we're not so bad after all. I think the pep talk actually from Manaya actually worked more on V than anything else. What about you, Dewey? Dewey, I think, sort of wordlessly uh, slides into the seat next to, I think, Dwin. Okay. Uh, and with that... Uh, Grandpa here nods and I think like uh, passes the rest of you some more bowls of rice and starts like gesturing for, for you all to eat. Uh, and I think you do eat like hur hurriedly, but Grandpa Hien would scold you if you're like like eating it too quickly. Like, hey, don't don't chew like a wolf, swallow like a tiger. It's bad for digestion. Here, have some more tea. It's like pushing pushing tea at all of you like all the time uh, as you like finish up lunch and you prepare to find Oka after. Uh, with your new companions, Mau Mau, Dwin, and Azen. Uh, so we're going to like sort of like pull out of this this vision, like maybe through the top of, of the roof of the dining hall around this like round table with like all of these these folks like sitting around it and eating and sharing, sharing a meal and sharing, sharing good drink um, uh, while surrounded by these beautiful flowers. We're going to pull out of this house and then we are going to pull in to a dream. Oka's dream. Oka, you've been knocked unconscious, which means your subconscious is working overtime to show you something. Why don't you tell me where this dream opens? It would open on that same fucking battlefield, as always. Oka hasn't dreamed in f seven years, seven and a half years now. So the only thing I think their subconscious goes to when they go unconscious now is that battlefield full of blood and red eyes crying. Yes, the battlefield is washed with blood and crimson light, not dissimilar to when you were fighting bloodthirst now, right? Uh, and like psh, these like dozens and thousands and trillions of eyes just like spanning the sky from horizon to horizon with wings uh, also opening uh, ac across the atmosphere, surrounding all of Andake with these like pitch black and like tar like red feathers. Uh, the eyes as they blink down at this like mass of just 
bodies and chaos and violence like strewn across Andake's land uh, as they blink down these big globules of black and red tears fall down from the sky they slam into the ground with cacophonous force causing the ground to tremble and break and crack uh, and from where these black and, and red tears fall into the ground these monsters emerge out of this the stuff, the stuff of nothingness, um, and begin to attack uh, the protectors of Andake, and and that's where we find you, Oka, as yourself, uh, in the middle of this battlefield, wielding Dream Hunter in one hand, uh, the rune-etched blade uh, of this longsword glimmering. Uh, but as always, Dream Hunter is fighting back against you. Just like when, from the very first night that you picked them up in the first place, they are resisting you. They have not yet recognized you as a worthy wielder. And I think, like, your hands vibrating as Dream Hunter, similar to, like, Dewey's sword son, is, like, trying to fly out of your grasp, right? It's vibrating very hard. And I think it does. It whirls out of your grasp and you know what's gonna come next it's inevitable you can't avoid it you just helplessly have to take it this is the course of destiny and there's nothing you can do to alter it is there and as dream hunter sort of pile drives down like the the tip uh of it like going down toward your solar plexus toward where you were speared through by that celian seven years ago in the silent grove and your life was irrevocably changed forever it stops an inch away from your chest. Uh, and the entire blade vibrates from the force of it stopping. And then it poof, shoots across the battlefield and poof, lands in the hand of your mother-father. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Bradley, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Marvelous, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.